Hi, this is Chris Marchand of Between the Songs Podcast. I'm here with Joe Cook to tell you about another podcast we've created, and we hope, if you've enjoyed Between the Songs, that you'll enjoy this one, too. It's called Nostalgic Future Podcast, and that's what it's all about. Chris and I dive deep into our nostalgia, all the pop culture stuff that we grew up with, and we examine how it's influenced our lives and how that continues today and into the future. So join us for fun discussions about some of our favorite movies, television shows, music, books. Really, nothing is off limits. We even have special guests on from time to time to talk about some of their nostalgic obsessions. Check out Nostalgic Future Podcast, available now on all the big podcasting apps. And you can also follow us on social media. It's Nostalgic Future Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And we're at Past Future Pod on Twitter. Nostalgic Future Podcast, where the past is the only way forward. Welcome once again to Rich Mullins Between the Songs podcast. This is not our second episode. This is actually a bonus episode. Uh, what we did in our first episode ran so long. Uh, we, our, our, our first episode was actually two hours long, and we still had to cut about an hour of material out of our first episode. And so we've decided to give you an extra a bonus um, of, some, of some more material that we wanted to share with you in between um, the release of our next official episode. And, and, um, Joe, tell us really quickly, what is this this uh, bonus episode about? What are we focusing on? Well, if, if people downloaded the first uh, episode, which we know they have, uh, how, you know, are, if we hit 2,000 downloads yet? We have not hit 2,000 downloads. Uh, we've, we've got 1,800, or a little over 1,800 downloads. So that's great. Okay. That is just phenomenal, and so we just want to thank everyone who's listened so far. Um, but if you did download the first episode, you realize that apparently we're very long-winded. And uh, <laughs> the show clocked in uh, at two hours long, and so what happened was this particular portion that we're going to present today uh, was from uh, the segment at the end of the show where we talk about some of these uh, Rich Mullins events and uh different projects that are happening. Well, we got into a conversation uh, about this petition that uh, is up on uh, change.org that uh, one of our friends, Andrew Montanera, put up a petition asking LaCie Broadcasting to release uh, these tapes that they have said that they have in their kind of storage area of unreleased Rich Mullins footage. Well, Andrew had heard about this footage, contacted them, went through all the you know typical hoops of trying to uh, track down this footage, and then he kind of hit a brick wall. And so uh, where most of us would just kind of say, okay, well, I tried. Andrew put up a petition, uh, got over 200 people to sign it. And uh, so that was where we were at um, when we recorded a couple weeks ago that uh, this petition was up there. We were talking about it, but we kind of went off on a little bit of a rabbit trail. Mm -hmm. So we, we cut it from the program just for time purposes. And then what happened was uh, Andrew actually heard back from Lassie and got kind of a response from them, pretty incredible response, actually. And so what we're going to do for you right now is we're going to play this 
portion of the program that we cut out. And then afterward, we're going to catch up with Andrew Montanaro and find out where he's at with Lassie Broadcasting and this rare, lost Rich Mullins footage that he has located. All right, so let's go there now. the petition that oh. has been going around on Facebook. Oh, interesting. Okay, so this is the uh, Lassie Broadcasting petition. For any of our listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, our friend Andrew Montanera has been on a, uh, a mission over the past six or seven months reaching out to Lassie Broadcasting in, uh, in, out in Indiana. If you aren't familiar with them, uh, they produce... Uh, Live from Studio B, uh, it's Harvest Television. They uh, ha- are the ones who own the footage of the Rich Mullins Live from Studio B concert that was released as part of the uh, Here in America uh, CD DVD set back in 2003. And there's also some footage on that DVD of Rich, along with Beaker, at a retreat in South Bend from 1994, spring of 94. And uh, you may remember some of the, the bits, you know, the driving without headlights bit that was released on that DVD. That's all from this retreat that Rich led uh, at La Cie over a couple days in 1994. So here's the deal with that footage. For a long time, we've known a couple things. That we don't have, we don't believe the full Live from Studio B concert. Um, there were several different sources for this concert that have been out over the years. I can tell you that as somebody who has spent a good part of the last seven years looking through rare and unreleased Rich Mullins recordings, I've probably come in contact with six or seven different sources for the Studio B concert from different broadcasts throughout the years. And of course, the officially released here in America DVD. Well, at least six songs were cut out of the DVD. Songs that had been broadcast were not released on the DVD, including what blows my mind, why on earth it was not released, but the best live performance of the color green that mm-hmm. I've ever heard mm-hmm. was performed at that concert. Mm-hmm. That was one of the best performances of that concert, and for whatever reason it was cut out along with a bunch of other songs, including uh, songs from Rick Elias and Jimmy Abeg. Mm-hmm. They also performed so- their own music at, that, at mm-hmm. that show. And what we know is that Mark Robertson has said that he also performed a song. That's never surfaced. Mm-hmm. Um, so we suspect that there are more songs that have never surfaced, and then this retreat that happened in 1994, we know that Rich also performed a, an entire concert, at least, worth of music at that <laughs> retreat. The only song from that that has ever surfaced was a performance of him and Beaker doing Ready for the Storm. <laughs> uh, and so uh, all that footage is online. You can find uh, all of it online, most of it on uh, the Ragamuffin Archive. All, all the retreat footage that's out there. Um, you can, uh, I think Andrew Montanera uh, has on his own YouTube channel. You can go see what's out there. Um, the Here in America DVD has long gone out of print. You know, it's another album that is just kind of hard to come by these days because they, they just have not. These days. 
Sorry. <laughs> See, now we have to pay royalties, Chris. Oh my goodness. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, you don't you don't mind if I randomly sing any time that you mention a Rich Mullins. You just you, you, even if you're you're totally an accident, I will just start singing the Rich Mullins lyric. Okay. Is that there, okay? There you go. Okay. <laughs> I can't help so, myself. All that background info to say <laughs> that Andrew Montanera has went uh, and he reached out about. Oh, about six or seven months ago, to Lassie Broadcasting and asked about this footage. Well, Andrew actually found somebody there that was really helpful and was kind of going back and forth with him for a, a couple months. And this guy actually found all of the Rich Mullins footage. It had been sitting on a shelf, some of it untouched for over 20 years, just sitting on a shelf. And uh, in old formats, you know, some of it, they don't even have the equipment to, to transfer it. Hmm. But it's there. They've got it all. And all in all, all in all, I think it's 21 or 22 tapes of material. Now, that's a lot more than we have released. We know that. Mm-hmm. So Andrew continued contacting them, and, uh, and and they were really gracious with him. And But when it came down to it at the end of the day, they actually approached it as a licensing thing. They, I think, took it that Andrew wanted to license the material uh, which, you know, if you're going to license, you know, footage, it can be pretty expensive if you're going to release it for money. Andrew's intent was not so much to release it for money, but he wanted to just make sure it was preserved, that it didn't sit on a shelf collecting dust and rotting away. He wanted to see that the footage would be digitized. He was hoping that they would make it available. And mm-hmm. so they approached it as a licensing thing. They, Andrew offered them about $400 for uh, all the uh, the footage, and they counter offered him at a hundred dollars a minute. A hundred dollars a minute. Everyone, a minute. let and that settle in. Let that settle in. One hundred dollars a minute to to digitize it. So we, yeah. you know, I, I I took a little calculator out and I started adding up, you know, just an estimate of what that comes to for twenty two tapes. If, if say each tape is. You know, twenty. You know, or say each tape is a couple hours. It was like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Or it's gold, Jerry. It's gold. <laughs> it's, it's gold. <laughs> Goodness it's, it's me. The best. So, any, all that to say, Andrew <laughs> didn't have a uh, hundred G's, you know, in his bank account to readily uh, dispose on that. So he did the next best thing. He started a petition. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 And um. All, all that to say, the petition has been online now for a couple weeks, um, and it, it is uh, if you go to change.org and you search for LACI Broadcasting, uh, the petition's called LACI Broadcasting, that's L-E-S-E-A, uh, release the complete tapes of Rich Mullins. As of today, there are 211 signatures uh, on this petition, and uh, the cool thing is that without getting into any details, um, I will just say that Lassie is aware of the petition. Mm-hmm. They have been in touch with Andrew, mm-hmm. and their response has been very encouraging, to say the least. So, all that to say, go online to change.org. I really think that it is worth just taking a moment to go sign this thing because they are hearing you, and they know now that Rich's fans actually care that this footage just doesn't rot on their shelf. Yeah. And so um, their response has been very gracious to Andrew and very encouraging. 
Uh, and it's also worth, I think if you go to the petition, there's some phone numbers there. And it's worth just giving them an email or a call and just say, hey, we support the petition. We'd like to see the Rich Mullins footage. Yes. Uh, so, so that number we, that number is on Andrew's petition. You can call them, leave a message, or, or an email, right? Yeah, it's there. It's, it's there on the petition itself. Absolutely. And they are, um, you know, the one thing that they did make clear to Andrew is that they have the broadcast rights for this material. So if they if they restore it, if they digitize it, mm -hmm. um, they can broadcast and stream it. Mm -hmm. So uh, it is worth just telling them, hey, uh, let's see broadcasting. We signed the petition. We'd really love to see this. Now, my perspective on this can go uh, one of two ways. One is the ways that kind of it, it – uh, it makes us look like we're insane, rabid fans, which is this. Um, we're hoarders. <laughs> so we have all this extra Rich Mullins material, and, and it's killing us inside that it hasn't seen the light of day. Now, okay, so that, that's the more the negative approach. But here's what I would like to say. My perspective on this, it's the same as it is for all of Beth Lutz's old songs. Um, I look at this like a librarian, like an archivist. It's like... What should uh, be allowed into the Library of Congress? Well, we should take the greatest works of the greatest artists, and we should we should have all of their works too. And so, a lot of this, and, and the reason that we're so supportive of Andrew's project is because we want to become archivists. And I'm and I'm, I'm glad all those years ago you used that word, the ragamuffin archive, because what you're trying to do is you you are making a list, making an archive of what exists out there, and we're living in an amazing age when you can say, you know what, I wonder what Rich Mullins uh, had to say about Brothers Keeper, the album. And now I didn't know a moody radio interview existed uh, about Brothers Keeper until you told me. I was like, yeah, I've got, I've got this interview about, about the Brothers Keeper album. He did this great interview uh, on moody radio. And I go, what? You know, I, I didn't know it existed. And so what we don't know, it's, it's kind of like Donald Rumsfeld. We don't know what we don't know. And so uh, we don't know what exists on these Lassie broadcasting. There could be some really interesting insights to his music or just teachings about God and the Bible. We're kind of fascinated. What, 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 are, what are on these tapes? And so the archivists, the librarians in us, we want this to see the light of day so we can know as fans, is there anything more? Is there any in insights worth knowing about? Well, you know, and the, the other thing about this, to, to take it even a step further, is not to, you know, to go back to the whole Bob Dylan analogy, but... If this were Bob Dylan, if this if this was this uh, you know recently discovered cache of unreleased Bob Dylan recordings, that would be treated like gold, yeah. you know. And yeah. unfortunately for Rich Mullins, he happened to just be trapped into that subgenre of contemporary Christian music, yeah. and it, it's just sort of less valued because it's Christian music. And yeah. uh, but the fact of the matter is, this is valuable material, um, at least to, to somebody like me who, who deeply appreciates him as an artist. And I think there's a lot of people out there who do appreciate these artists. Unfortunately, it seems as though, and I don't want to get off into a rabbit trail, it seems as though the one entity that somewhat doesn't appreciate the artist, or at least the legacy of the artist, is the industry itself. That, uh, you know, the Gospel Music Association should be the ones calling Lassie Broadcasting mm. to archive this stuff. Not yeah. Andrew Montanera. Yeah. Not he, you and me. Yeah, yeah. We, that, that's, that's actually part of the problem is we're trying to uh, push Sisyphus's rock 
up the mountain and we're like, come on, somebody help us push this rock. It's like we're trying to open these doors. It's so difficult. Um, whereas, I just shared this article with you. Uh, a, Neil, a supposed lost Neil Young uh, album is coming out this summer. You know, it's one of those albums that he maybe recorded and it just for some reason never saw the light of day. Guess what? There are no fans weeping and gnashing of their teeth to get this Neil Young album out. Somebody in a record label said, hey, we got an old Neil Young album? This is a no-brainer. Let's just put it out there. Of course this should see the light of day. And the same thing could be said for, for numerous other artists. Um, I just heard of an old oh, artist from... Dion. Yeah, Dion. Same thing. Dion has an unreleased album from 1967 that is being released this year. Exactly. Bang. Just out there. Just like that. Nobody had to claw their way to, to, the, to the record exec's office to see this happen. And again, of course, yes, there is much, a much higher demand because it, it does come down to money. There is a much higher demand for these quote-unquote secular artists. At the, in the same, t same way, come on, what, what more can be done? Is, is there something that can be done for these, these artists that are not just decent but are actually quite renowned? Yeah, and the thing that I've never understood, and 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 this is I know this is not the answer for you, Chris. So I'm oh dear, I'm not suggesting that. But the fact that these <laughs> these things are not even released digitally. Oh sure, um, sure, yeah kind, of, yeah, kind of floors me. Now I know I know you're not looking for digital. You're you're looking for vinyl. You're yeah. looking for a good package. But the fact that it could no, inexpensively right. be released digitally. That's right. And at least it would be on iTunes out there. And the fact that. It's not, mm -hmm. and that so many Christian and now and yes, many of these back catalogs of albums in Christian music have slowly begun to surface digitally in mm -hmm. the last you know decade. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. You know, and and so you can find some you know really great old Christian albums digitally, and and that's cool. But yeah. some some albums are deserving of a little bit better treatment. You mm -hmm. know, and if I'm I'm not I don't want to be too biased. Um, but, you know, as Jimmy said in the interview, well, if he has one shot at it, a liturgy, a legacy, and a ragamuffin band, that would be the one that he would right. want to see released. Right. You know, so, because that album is deserving of more than just being on iTunes in there. Right. So, Joe, with this, this humble podcast, Rich Mullins Between the Song, we are pushing the rock up the hill, hoping we can make it to the top of the mountain. But what we're actually hoping is, there's, there's a giant out there that can just pluck that little rock and just set it up there nice and daintily, nice and easily. That was easy. Is there a, is there a record company that can actually open the doors uh, to seeing uh, Rich Mullins and, hey, other artists streaming on in to seeing their artists uh, find uh, their, their music find new light, new, 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 new ears for us? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to, in a way, and, and without being too arrogant about it, challenge the Christian music industry to sort of take care of their own. Mm -hmm. There you go. Skype right now is a good friend of ours and uh, really one of my best friends in the world. Uh, this guy here, now since I started 
Ragamuffin Archive seven years ago, there's probably no person that I know who has taken more of a uh, vested interest in rare and lost Rich Mullins recordings than this guy here. For me, it was always kind of a hobby. For this guy, it's a passion, and he has just proved that to all of us, and he's going to tell you about it. Now, with uh, you welcome to the program, Andrew Montanera. Hey, Andrew, how you doing, man? I'm good, Joe and Chris. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, Andrew, it's nice to have you on because when we recorded our part of the first episode, we were thinking, oh, we wonder what's going to happen with this whole ASEA thing. And there you, you went and actually went there. Like, it was kind of a surprise. We didn't think it would move so fast. I didn't think it would happen either, honestly. Tell us what happened because apparently you reached LaCie. They became aware of it. What happened? So last week I was actually able to get in contact with a guy named Chuck Huffman. And he's the head broadcasting manager at LaCie. And he oversees all the video and uh, production there. And so last Wednesday, it would have been June uh, 7th, I actually got to travel from uh, Chicago to South Bend, Indiana, and view, look over about nine hours of unreleased material. Well, there's about 22 tapes, you said, right? Just give us an idea of what you got to look at out of all that. Is there still a lot left that you haven't had a chance to see, or are there duplicate tapes? What, What do they have there? What I got to look through there was five tapes, um, big deck tapes, and one of them was live from Studio B, and the other four were uh, the a two-day seminar that Rich and Beaker gave. And so they they brought me in. I introduced myself to the uh, Chuck Huffman. He was very kind. Um, I can't say enough positive things about Lacie, and even for letting me have this opportunity. Because it's it, to me, it's still so incredible that it happened, um, and just for the opportunity as a fan. And they brought me into a little room uh, with a TV monitor and two like deck players, like you know tape players, and they just had the five tapes sitting there on the side, and I was just able to reach for the tape. You know, it is it is so it, I can't even words can't describe it. I was I was handling the master tapes. Hmm. On an original machine. Mm-hmm. So they were like, yeah, if you just let one of us know if the tape gets caught, you know, just in case. Because otherwise, you know, it's gone. <laughs> but what I was able to look through, I got to say, uh, and I, I want the fans to know this, it really is the definitive, what I consider to be as a fan, and having looked over so much Rich Mullins material over the past few years, it really kind of is the definitive footage of rich and it's if you were to kind of make a uh a quote or saying about the footage it, i'd say rich mullins and a ragamuffin band like you've never seen them before how much of the studio b footage have we not seen so what's interesting is there's about half an hour of footage before the entire live from studio b show and it's, it's kind of like the Ragamuffins pre-show. And it's literally just camera. It, it's them, like, goofing around, hmm. kind of. And then Rich starts out by saying, okay, we're going to perform four love songs, which is pretty funny, right? And this is before the concert, remember? So Jimmy Abeg starts out with Small Touch of Love. Oh, great song. Which I, I got to say, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a salad recording. Uh, again, all of this I'm talking about is... Soundboard 
you know, quality audio and, you know, the videos on point. Hmm. It's high quality production. And then they give it over to Mark Robertson and he performs Monster Truck. Oh, cool. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, and, and it's so funny. Uh, Jimmy comes over to, to Rich, like, on the piano bench and they're just, like, rocking their heads and, like... Hmm. The entire audience is getting into it. It hmm. is so great. Small Touch of Love is an old Jimmy Abeg solo song. Monster Truck is an old This Train song that was uh, Mark Robertson's band at that time, aside from the Ragamuffins. Yeah, and then Rich does We Are Not As Strong As We Think We Are. Hmm. The next song is, they give it to Rick Elias, and he performs Dance With Me Tonight. Is that one of his songs, or what is that? It's from the soundtrack of that thing you do. That's oh, Tom Hanks movie. oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he did it at Cornerstone '97, Chris. Okay, remember that? <laughs> you, I, I was joking with Joe like last week. I was like, "You guys remember Cornerstone '97 better than I do," um, because you you've seen all these tapes, and I have not. I've not really w- gone through and looked at all the Cornerstone '97 tapes, but I was there. I promise you. <laughs> so that's all before the um, concert, which I found to be really interesting. And then uh, Rich says, now we're going to do some religious music. (laughs) (laughs) So now here's one that was not released. The Ragamuffins and Rich perform While the Nations Rage. (laughs) Really? Yes. And Rich is on piano singing to it (laughs) with the Ragamuffins backing him up. So they do a ton of these songs and then they do Creed. That's where it kind of ends. But then Rich does all this kind of post-concert thing where he does, uh, I'm going to sing, I'm going to shout praise the Lord like he normally do in his last hmm. uh, tour. Hmm. Um, but he, this, this, all this post-concert stuff was to get certain camera shots of the audience. Hmm. So none of this is actually filmed. Like Rich is not shown, but hmm. the audio is fine. Hmm. So it's really interesting. And then I don't know if you guys are both, I'm sure Joe is, but. Are you guys both familiar with the hidden track from the Here in America CD? Was I right? Yes. Okay, so here's the thing, uh, Chris. The hidden track on the Here in America CD, uh, Rich tells this story, and uh, you know, if you wait like 10 minutes after the last song, you'll hear it come on. I have long suspected that that was an outtake from live from Studio B. Oh. Now, the, the, my question is, in it, he mentions we're going to do a song from Canical. Did they do a song from Canical? They did. They did Heaven is Waiting. Right? Cool. With Mitch so singing, I assume? Yeah, Mitch Mitch is yeah. singing. I don't know if Rich was playing guitar. I assume he was, but but that's that's what I was able to see of live from Studio B. Now we're getting to the, the really juicy footage here. This two-day seminar from 1994. What do you got for us, Andrew? What, what did you see? What happened there that week? A lot of good stuff. It, it, it's, it's so unique. What I find unique as a fan is it's February of 94 was kind of a, a turning point. I mean, 94 in general was kind of a turning point in Rich's career. Um, he was almost finished with college. Um, it was kind of a transition between, you know, Reed Arvin producing his work from Liturgy and then him and the Ragamuffins would go on to produce Brothers Keeper. So there's four tapes, and each tape is two hours long. Sadly, they're not complete. So they do start up suddenly and they cut out suddenly Hmm. so which is kind of disappointing but again it's like eight hours of really 
really good footage. Before you get into the songs, yeah. I'm a little curious. What's the context of all those people there? Were they kids? Were they college students? Um, why wasn't I given the invitation to be there? Um, I, I'm just curious. Like, what, what's the context of this seminar? I don't. I don't. I, don't I, didn't, I guess I didn't really fully get it when I got my Here in America DVD. Well, I guess Rich would uh, occasionally do these seminars. Um, I was actually speaking with a woman on Facebook recently who attended the seminar, hmm. and. It's interesting because she had talked to Rich and Beaker later on after this had all been done. And Rich's original intention was actually to release this seminar like on tape, on huh. video. The context, I honestly don't know. I, I guess they would just do these uh, teachings and concerts. I've heard they did others in, I think, Michigan. and But it was it was all age groups. I mean, there were teenagers and people all the way into maybe their 70s okay. the seminar. So hmm. Rich talked a lot. It was a lot of rich teaching. Hmm. Um, Beaker taught. They would do like a Q&A session. And they would also, interestingly, and this is what makes the footage so unique, they would bring people like up on stage with them and, you hmm. know, use them in, in the involvement in their teaching. Hmm. As, and also uh, in some of the songs they'd use which we'll get to, but I find that to be some of the most intriguing performances. The one thing that stuck out to me the most was there is a, on the end of tape two, Rich performs doubly good to you in perfect quality, you know, picture audio. Um, hmm. It's not the greatest performance <laughs> and he has a hard time hearing the, remembering the lyrics, but Hmm. That probably is the one, you know, major performance from all that footage that does indeed exist. He took it upon request. I got a comment on Ragamuffin Archive years ago from somebody saying that Rich played that song there that night by request. I can't remember if it was the guy that made the request or not, but I, so we've, we've long heard that this existed. So now you've actually seen it with your own eyes. Yes, I have. And he tells a story, he tells a really funny story before it about how, I guess, Amy Grant changed up kind of some of the lyrics. And it's kind of funny uh, watching the movie Ragamuffin, because I guess this did actually happen. Uh, they were in the same building or in one of each other's homes, and Rich was performing it. And she happened to be in the same room and overhear it and say, oh, I want to record that. And so... Amy brought a cassette tape. She got a cassette tape out and actually recorded him singing it, like right then on the spot. And then they went into the studio to record, uh, I think it is Straight Ahead, was her album. And then she was trying to play back the cassette and hear Mullen's words, but she couldn't do it. So they had to get Rich to personally, like, handwrite his lyrics and send him into the studio for Amy to read and his handwriting was so bad that she just misread the lyric and sang it that way. Yeah, it's only a couple words. It's a real small change. Yeah, I can't even remember the exact words, but it's it's very minor. Right? So it wasn't that Rich originally called the song Triply Good to You. That wasn't the original <laughs> no, title. No. But, he, but he made like he, he made like a comment like, oh now and, and since I'm single, thank the Lord or or something like that, you know, you joke about it. And then it's funny, 
afterwards, uh, you know, after he does the final chord or whatnot, he's like, oh, I got another funny story about that song. Then the tape cuts. So that song barely made the cut onto the tape. It's still pretty good that it exists. So what, what other songs were performed? Rich and Beaker uh, both performed Lord, I Lift Your Name on High as hmm. part of a worship um, hmm. leading the audience attendees in worship. Somebody requests um, Holy, 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 the hymn. Yeah. And Rich says, I can't remember the lyrics. Can someone help me? Mm-hmm. And so this guy, maybe in his mid-late 20s, comes up and sings it like perfectly like it's so good um that was incredible to see and he knew all he knew like all the verses Mm. and then rich joins in with him singing and rich is on piano while this is happening so he's able to perfectly sync this guy singing to his piano playing now chris if if you're if you're that guy how bad do you want a copy of that tape? Yeah, give this guy a copy. That'd be nice. I guess you have to find him, right? You'd have to locate who this dude was, right? I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe he's listening yeah, that... to Between the Songs. I think we can assume he's listening to Between the Songs. Yes, yes. Uh, but then he joins in with the last verse. So I thought, I thought that was kind of funny. Rich says he didn't know the verses. It almost seemed as if, after thinking about it, my mind maybe rich just wanted to invite a guy up to Mm. sing with him yeah it's funny to not know the verses but then but then you know pretty much know the chords too so like he knew Um, how to play the music (laughs) he also rich does a song i think it's an old hymn so correct me if i'm wrong but uh rich performs this song uh i think it's called jacob's ladder do you know if that's an old hymn or not i don't know okay that sounds interesting i don't know and then Okay, and then Rich joins in, and I guess it's like We're Climbing, We're Climbing or something like that. So I had never heard that song before. Um, what you need to do is you need to look it up on um, hymnary.org, and uh, there is a tune. It is the tune, Jacob's Ladder. Yes, so it's out, it's out there. Okay. There you go. African American Heritage Hymnal. You can look it up. So you found the song? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but he performs that on piano, so that was a very unique performance. Man, okay. Uh, The third tape is entirely seminar. What can you tell us that is that is included in in the seminar that you saw that wasn't included on the DVD? Uh, What what kind of material does he get into that would be interesting? That wasn't included on the DVD. Yeah. Or what? What did they talk about in the seminar? Well, you you know, I, I think one of the most interesting things I find about Rich Mullins is. He seemed to be drawing from an incredible well of knowledge and also of stories, stories both of his own life uh, and then just um, things he would draw from other places. And so the, I, I think maybe the problem with talking about, well, hey, what did Mullins talk about? Is he probably he probably talked about everything? That's my imagine. That's what I would imagine. It's just like he just he ran over here, ran over here. I, I guess kind of what I'm wondering is. What uh, what you know? Can you, did anything stick out as far as what he taught about uh, any any stories that he told that kind of thing? Well, I I gotta say I mostly skipped through a lot of the seminar stuff. Um, yeah, because you I will say I only had I only had actually about four hours there. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, you had to zip through things. Yeah, right. Um, I did look. I mean, I looked through 
nine hours of material, but it was only in about a four hour, wow, maybe three and a half hour time span. Okay. So, well, this one hour seminar, was this the day that he's wearing the ugly red sweater? It is. That's the second day. Yeah, it's very important. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And the, uh, I will say, the second, the last tape, the fourth tape, and I still can't believe I was watching and using the master tape. In my opinion, it is the greatest rich concert ever to be captured on video. The, I mean, the set list is phenomenal. He starts out with the other side of the world, with him on piano, uh, with the wonder, while the nations rage, which I quote, he dedicated to Mrs. Clinton and her husband performing. <laughs> yeah. And then he does Land of My Sojourn. And then the next song is actually my favorite favorite performance from the entire collection of videos. He performs Verge of a Miracle. This is at a time when I felt, you know, I, I had thought he had really kind of moved on from the, doing that song. He performs Every Man on piano. And then he does another very unique one with audience participation. He does Screen Door. Hmm. So it's on piano, but he has about, I want to say, a dozen people stand behind him and sing like the harmony, like background vocal parts, like the doo-wop, doo-wop. Yeah, so he has people with sheet like music singing to the song with him and performing those background tracks. How terrible were they, Andrew? It was it was not great. It wasn't that good. <laughs> no offense to if any of you were performing that and I you know, I saw this, but it is unique. It is certainly unique that it, it exists. So I'm I'm probably like halfway done with the set list. There's a twenty 25 songs, 26 hmm. if you want to argue. Oh, that's incredible. He plays a little piano part at the end. Uh, I guess, is that all the footage you got to watch? That is. Okay, let, let's get to the heart of what everybody's wondering. You've just now, you've just told everybody what you've seen. You've got 216 signatures on this petition. Yeah. I guess what those 216 people are wondering right now is, when are we going to get to see this, Andrew? Uh, what's happening with this footage now? Well, I had some good discussions with the people at LaCie, and I can say this for sure. It, it's going to be digitized, which is, you know, great. Well, I wouldn't say that my petition is a success as of yet. I won't make it a uh, quote-unquote success until there's some new material out there. Right. Did they give you any sense of a time frame? When it might be up. They did not, but they said they're likely going to release it either via YouTube or their website. Okay. So, hope that's some exciting news. That is really exciting news. Now, when they say release it via YouTube, are they talking about the 94 concert? Yeah. Like, they're going to try and release all the never-before-seen stuff. Now, see, what's interesting about this, and, and this is where it, it becomes very, uh, uh, we, we, we would nervously wait, is... They're gonna edit it. They're gonna they're gonna decide. They might. They're gonna listen through it and go, "Yep, I like this one. I like that one." Dot dot dot. And then, so we don't exactly know what what will eventually come um, our way. I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm it, I, I do care about the songs. I love all the songs, but I'm really interested uh, in in his teachings. I'm really interested in his stories because right. I'm the kind of guy where I'm like, ah, you know. He's drawing from Augustine there, or he's drawing from C.S. Lewis here, and and so 
I don't want uh, two and a half minute snippets of, of his, his teaching on, you know, it's like, I want the whole thing. So, that, so um, I'm, I don't know. I'm just going to be selfish and say that. So there's, I don't have any control over that, though. Well, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want them to be edited either. But I will take what we can get, right? That's fine. Well, to, to wrap up, if, if that's all right, I think what's nice to know is it's a relief to know it's there. And it's so a relief to know that eventually we'll see some of it. And that, that's nice. And uh, so thank you so much. Do you feel like you've, you've been in a, a thorn in their side long enough? I mean, it, it seems like you had a good, uh, a good meet with them. It wasn't, it wasn't tense. <laughs> they were very I, kind. Is that I right? I did, for sure. Chuck Strance, uh, who knew Rich, he was invited by uh, Chuck Huffman to come over to the station and meet with me. He wasn't even at the station, and he he told me later that for Chuck to call him, uh, it really showed my dedication and my pursuit of wanting this material um, out there, and for the world to know that it, it exists and that it's good. And um, yeah, I, I just I'd, I'd hope this would clarify, you know, what the footage does exist. It is being digitized, and I hope that. Uh, the rest of the world can see it because uh, it really shows a, a real shows Rich at his best, in my opinion, and it shows him as a real teacher and a real uh, you know mentor in a way. And Chris, I don't think you're going to have to worry about any of you know the footage that you want to see not being released because now that they know Andrew knows where to find them. There you go. They're not going to you know they're not going to hold anything back. <laughs> Well, they might have me help edit their stuff, like Studio B concert. Hmm. They might actually have me help edit that together because I know the songs. So, Yeah, you might work your way into an internship here. I hope that we might work out. <laughs> I will say, I'll add this to uh, the C, actually. I couldn't believe it. They actually gave me a signed poster by Rich uh, that Rich gave to the studio and signed for uh, the C weekend of studio b and uh mechanical of the planes performance well andrew this is incredible congratulations i mean your your dedication on this uh and your follow-through on this over the past year what a payoff for you to get invited there and get to be the first person in, in decades to see this footage i'm so happy for you oh thank you so much i i still can't believe it happened honestly and it, it sounds kind of silly for a 19 year old you know kid basically to almost geek out over this, but I, I, as a fan and as someone who Rich has touched through his ministry and music, I think it's important for future generations to have this material. It's certainly worth, you know, having out there. Andrew Montanera, thank you for being on Between the Songs. Thank you. So that was Andrew Montanera, and I hope you are excited as we are to hear some of that information. And like with a lot of projects, now we just wait as fans. And so, hey, you know, join join the waiting process. But but in the midst of that, 
uh, you will have a Rich Mullins podcast to listen to over the over the next uh, year or so. Uh, once a month, we're going to put out uh, main episodes. And uh, this year, there is uh, going to be a lot of Rich Mullins tribute projects. We're not going to go into those right now, but we'll mention more of those in, in our next episode. Um, but Joe, really quickly, you talk, we talked with Jimmy Abeg uh, in, our, in our first episode. What can you say uh, about the Bee Gods project at the moment? What's the, what's the current state of it? Okay, so there was a lot of confusion earlier this week on the uh, Bee Gods Pledge Music project. Now, if you remember, they were down to about, I don't know, about 27 days left of the project, 28 days maybe. And it was at 97%. And so people were really excited thinking, wow, this thing is going to get funded. It's happening. And then from one day to the next, the percentage dropped down to 73%. Then it dropped down again to 65% and then back up to 73%. And so it was a little bit of a ping pong thing going on there. And we started getting a lot of messages about it because of the podcast and having Jimmy on and we didn't really have the answers I think that people were looking for as to why this happened. So I contacted uh, Jimmy this week. I had a great talk with him and all that to say, they do have a reason that the number of the percentage of the goal dropped. And I think you're going to be hearing from Jimmy in the next few days uh, with an update as to what's going on with this project. But right now uh, I, I don't have the liberty to tell you exactly what's going on behind the scenes. But they, there are some things going on behind the scenes. They've had a lot of uh, hiccups with this project, uh, certain aspects of it. Even if you heard our first episode, he talked about the, the problems that they had getting the Ireland trip um, going. There's just a lot going on. And so I'm going to leave that for Jimmy. I'm pretty sure we're going to be hearing from him soon to update everybody. So for right now, that's pretty much all that, that's going on with that. We don't have a whole lot to say on that, but I know there's a lot of questions and uh, people are wondering, so we did want to address it. Yep, so we hope to hear from Jimmy soon. Uh, one of the things I wanted to share was I had a, a, a really great opportunity this past weekend uh, to go see Ted Yoder, the dulcimer player, in concert. And uh, he was at a, a local dulcimer festival, uh, which I didn't even know existed, but it's been going on for 29 years now, the Gebhard uh, Dulcimer and Folk Instrument uh, Music Festival. Ted Yoder, who, who does our, our theme song uh, for the podcast, uh, you know, donated a, a few songs to us for us, for us to just use. Um, I was able to, to go up there and see him, and uh, you know, he was uh, gracious enough to allow me to interview him afterwards. So if you check out the Post Consumer Reports podcast, uh, that's my latest episode up there and uh, the interview with Ted Yoder and uh, it was great and I mean again Joe, Joe you saw him recently this was a this was a, a festival of dulcimer players and it was quite astounding I mean the dulcimer is just a beautiful instrument it's it's just quite quite a, quite amazing to listen to people play it it is and he uh, I mean you what's incredible to me is that listen and I listened to the full interview today and by the way great job I really enjoyed hearing his story. I, I got to meet Ted and spend some time with him a few weeks ago, but uh, the stuff that he got into with you uh, is stuff I didn't know about him. And, and yeah. really, he, he's got an incredible story. Well, it was it was quite get... surprising, yeah. I mean, like, he has one of those stories where, like, something truly awful happened to him that really shifted uh, his whole life, you know, helped helped him to uh, kind of reset him, and, and he had to think, what am I doing with my life? And I was really surprised. I wasn't expecting that at all. Was not expecting yeah, that. Yeah, and, and, and that was shocking to me. But the part that 
I think shocked me even just as much was that he really started taking this instrument serious around 10 years ago. Yeah. And three years after he really started, he became like the champion. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So you just talk about a a seriously gifted musician, and Mm -hmm. if anybody has the chance to go see Ted Yoder live, he's really one of the best out there. Yeah, yeah, his arrangements are really beautiful. And uh, I really, really quickly just wanted to say, too, a really strange thing happened that I wasn't expecting, but there was a, a woman there. She was uh, part of a workshop. She wasn't actually, like, a teacher, but she, she was just there to learn. But she had a dulcimer that was signed by Rich Mullins. Oh, wow. And it was, it was quite surprising. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, you should go over there. You know, they were talking about this, this, this woman. And, and it was just so interesting. And, and I hope I, I, I recorded her telling her story really quick, quickly. So hopefully I'll be able to get that up on YouTube and maybe people can, can watch it. You know, that, that's an interesting question I have for, for you having spent the day at a dulcimer festival, which I, I cannot say that I ever have. <laughs> um, um, you know, the, traditionally speaking, you know, it, it's used a lot in Appalachian music, uh, folk music. Yeah. Is, is Rich Mullins really regarded among the dulcimer community? That's something I don't know. You know, I didn't talk to enough people, but a decent amount of people that I did talk to it was yes, they they knew about Rich Mullins and uh, Ted mentioned him in the concert. He said, "I don't know if you guys know Rich Mullins," and there was a a pretty decent amount of head nods. So again, I do think there is there are a couple of communities here, which is the tr- the truly the folk music, the Appalachian music that with with the deep roots. And in in, in my interview, Ted mentions that he says, "Yeah, I don't know all these folk tunes." Uh, but nonetheless, I think there is a decent amount of people that they, they pay respect to Mullins and they know that he brought a lot of attention to the instrument. So yeah, it was great being there at this Dulcimer Festival and I'm actually happy to be able to share a, a brief snippet of my interview with Ted. This is, this is the part where he actually goes into uh, Rich Mullins' influence on his life. So yeah, I just want to share a little bit of that with you now. You know, I heard, I heard Rich. I was a, an aspiring keyboard player at the time. You know, I wanted to be... Uh, uh, you know, Elton John, Billy Joel. Mm. Uh, and at the time, since I was, you know, wrapped up in the CCM culture, I'd do the next Michael W. Smith, you know. And there you go. I actually just wanted to be that popular and not necessarily be okay. Michael W. Smith. <laughs> well, you know what? I, recently I got some old, uh, at Goodwill, somebody said, hey, there's some old Christian records at Goodwill. You should oh, check goodness. it out. I went there and there's like 30 old records. Somebody just dumped off all their CCM records. Anyway, I got the first two uh, Michael W. Smith, Smith albums oh, on vinyl. The nice Argyle sweater one. Neon pink Argyle sweater one. And there's another one where it's just like his head. It looks like he's in Tron. Yes, it's like his yes. head floating in space. <laughs> in like Tron. Anyway, but the synths on that album are amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. His yeah. compositions were just amazing. Absolutely, loved it. So, but anyway, so I was a synth guy. Did and you play then, in bands? Or? Um, oh, yeah, off and yeah, on. You know, okay. nothing, nothing big. And... Uh, just, just kind of traveled around it. I was a really bad, um, uh, what's my word? I, I, I say the word lazy, undisciplined okay. musician. Okay. Yeah. I had I had a lot of, you know, a lot of gift, um, but in order to turn it into talent, I didn't, you know, I didn't do what was necessary. Yeah. Until I got older and <laughs> had kids. I <laughs> had, had kids. Yeah. That's, I, I do a lot yeah. of writing, and and it's when I had kids. That's. When the fire was lit to do something, yeah, yeah. so seven um, of them—they're—they're they're keeping you really busy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I heard Rich play the Hammer Dulcimer, of course, back on um, was it uh, um, 
first family. It's that album. Uh, well, that never was Picture um, Perfect. Yeah, Never Picture Perfect, and it's One Thing. One the song thing. One yep. Thing, yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, and it, at first, when, when I heard that song, I thought, oh, that was just, that, that was a synth or something. It wasn't until, wasn't, it was sometimes, no, sometimes I Step wasn't on uh, Winds of Heaven, was it? No, it was on, uh, it was on The World's Best as I Remember it, Volume 1. But yeah. the, I'm trying to remember what Dulcimer songs might have been on Volume 1. There's that, he actually played a lap Dulcimer on Who God is Gonna Use. Yep. Yep. And uh, I'm trying to think if there's actual Dulcimer. Volume 2 is when uh, Sometimes by Step with, you know. Sure, sure. The chorus was on Volume 1. Um, and then he, he fleshed out the song with, you know. See, yeah, there's, there's, anyway. there's other songs that I do of his that... I played dulcimer with, and he never did. Like boy, like me, man, like you. Yeah, um, you know that kind yeah, of stuff. Those, are, so those sound really cool. So I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I'm starting to think of songs, but it's like, no, wait, he didn't do dulcimer on that one. Um, anyway, so yeah, it, it took me. I, I I knew I wanted to get a hammer dulcimer, but at that point, I was focusing on keyboards and yeah. and piano and stuff, and so I didn't get a dulcimer until about ten years later, yeah. 1997. So. Yeah. So there you go. That was just a few minutes of my interview with Ted Yoder. And we will definitely have links on the, the Between the Songs podcast website. Please check for that there. So from there, let's look forward to our official second episode. Uh, Joe, remind our listeners what's going to be going on. Okay, so beginning in the next episode is really what, when we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of what this podcast is about. We're going to start looking at Rich's music, his albums, starting with Zion's 1981 Behold the Man album. This is the first recording that Rich Mullins ever professionally made, you know, in a studio. This is with his uh, group Zion, part of Zion Ministries that he was involved with after college. And they made this record. You're probably not going to be able to find it by uh, the next episode, but thankfully we've got it up on Ragamuffin Archive. We're going to make the links available on our website. You can listen to this album in its entirety, and that's what we're asking you to do. Give the album a listen maybe listen two or three times, and then we're going to kind of have a discussion about it, go track by track, and we're looking forward to having Beth Lutz, uh, one of Rich's good friends who was a member of the group Zion, featured with him on the album. She's going to be a guest to talk about that as well as uh, all this early music that she was there uh, to be a part of with Rich Mullins during his college years and even a few years after. So that's what's going to be happening on the next episode of uh, Between the Songs. Yes, so please take the journey with us. Uh, look on our website. We'll have links to the Zion album. And uh, we're so excited to, to be bringing this to you and in this crazy year, this 20th anniversary of Rich Mullins' death. And uh, we're so glad that, you, that you've been listening. Once again, this has been Rich Mullins' Between the Songs podcast. Between the Songs.